Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors here at Horizon Church. And we're starting a new message series this morning on relationships called Relationship Goals. Um, I, Chris is my husband. He is working the slides and we worked through these so that we would uh, have some good relationship goals to show y'all <laughs> today. I didn't want to uh, show you what not to do in relationships uh, this morning. But many, the relationships are the basis of our lives. Our marriages, our relationships with people that we work with, our friendships, our relationships with people um, in our family. Relationships are literally the basis of our lives. And if we don't have some goals in place, for our relationships, if we don't take some time to see what it is God wants for them, we will not live as healthy people. When our, relation, when our relationships are healthy, then we can be healthier physically. People who have healthy relationships in their lives are, are by far physically more healthy than other people. We can be emotionally healthy, we can be mentally healthy, and we can be spiritually healthy. Relationships matter, and being healthy in our relationships matter. So this morning, we're going to do something a little different than we normally do. Usually, I read the Bible and we sort of spend some time with that about what God wants. But right now, what we're going to do is look at our reality in our lives and in our relationships, and then we're going to read the Bible to see what 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 biblical principles can apply to our lives. So I don't know about you all, but um, many of us look at our relationships like we look at our cars, right? We want our car or our vehicle or our big old mom SUV, let's be honest, uh, to get us from one place to the other, right? We want, us, we want our, our car to take us to work. We want our car to take us to school drop-off. We want our car to take us to the grocery store, but we don't really want to think about how to fix our car, right? How to work on our cars, how to make our cars work. I, I, I um, had a Volkswagen Jetta a few years ago, like three or four years ago. Um, I had two small children at the time. They were like three and two, and I had them in car seats in the back of a jet. Everybody know what a Jetta is, a Volkswagen Jetta, a little teeny tiny car. I had two kids in there, one on the way, so I knew that my days of the Jetta were like coming to an end quickly, but um, I was cruising the mean streets of South Tampa one day, and um, I hit something, maybe it was a curb, uh, I don't know what, what it was, um, but it knocked the undercarriage of my car loose, and it started dragging on the road, um, and so, I, you know, I'm pulling into Palmacia Presbyterian Preschool across the street from Plant High School, it's like, <laughs> across the... Uh, across the pavement, and my way to fix it was turn the radio up and blast the AC. Anybody else fix their car <laughs> this way? And so I drove like that for two days. <laughs> my mother-in-law, I'd like bring the kids, she's like, what is wrong with your car? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm just blasting Christian music. That's <laughs> all I can hear. Um, and, and I'm not trying to be mean. I love y'all, but, but some of y'all's relationships are in that, that kind of that situation. You've turned the radio up and the distractions up in your life and you aren't paying attention to it, but everybody around you is like, do you know what's going on? <laughs> like, we heard you coming a mile away, right? So how do we begin to have healthy relationships? I got my car fixed. They like, all they had to do was like, you know, screw the stuff back where it went. <laughs> it, was, it was great. Um, but this is what this is going to be about. How do we look at our relationships that are falling apart and how do we make sure that they are in a healthier place um, how, how do we do that? And so um, I, I just want to tell you that every single one of us brings a box like this into our relationships, a box full of hopes and dreams 
and desires. You know, um, you hope to have a certain kind of career or job. You dream of maybe becoming a parent one day or, or, or not. Uh, you, you have desires. You, you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody that you love and you want it to be a fulfilling and amazing relationship. Every single one of us bring a box full of hopes, dreams, and desires into every relationship that we have. You have friendships. You bring your hopes and your dreams and desires. I hope that this friendship will bring me community that I need in my life. I hope that, that when things are, are down and out, you'll be there for me, and I hope I have somebody to celebrate the good things with. Every single one of us bring a box of hopes and dreams and desires to every relationship we have. What's in your, what's in your box? What, what are your hopes and your dreams and your desires? Maybe you, you hope that one day you'll get to retire and, and you'll travel the world or you'll get to spend extra time with, with your family or you'll have nice slow mornings at home with coffee. Maybe some of you hope you'll retire by 35 and live in a tiny house and have a compostable toilet. That was one of my hopes, desires, and dreams, right? Like you don't owe anybody anything. You live off grid and have a raised garden bed um, with three kids, right? That was part of my hopes and dreams and desires. And at some point in your friendships or relationships, you take this box full of hopes and dreams and desires. What's in your box? What's in it? You take this, this box of hopes and dreams and desires and you hand it. You hand it to somebody else. Maybe you've been married a year and you're like, um, honey, I want 1.2 kids and an SUV and a $500,000 house with three bedrooms, two dogs. I, I want a tiny house with a compostable toilet in the middle of nowhere in the mountains of North Carolina. I want to I, I be a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad. I want to be a doctor or a lawyer. I want to go to school for the rest of my life. I, I want a new career. You take these hopes and dreams and desires and you hand them to who it is you're in a relationship with. Your friendships, you do this in your friendships. I hope to be a better mom because I'm in a friendship with you. I, I hope to be a better, a better person. I hope to have somebody to spend time with, right? You take these hopes and dreams and desires and you hand them to somebody else. And when they take those, these hopes, dreams, and desires transform into expectations. When you receive these hopes, dreams, and desires, it becomes a box full of expectations. Suddenly, Chris is like, you wanted a compostable toilet? I don't even know what that is, right? And, and it, feel, it starts to feel a little heavy. Oh, you, you wanted to retire by the time you're 35? I had no idea. And it, the box gets a little heavier, right? You wanted our retirement to look, look what way? You wanted how many kids? How many? You wanted seven dogs and to foster even more, right? Like these expectations become super, super heavy. Over time in our relationships, our hopes, dreams, and desires transform into expectations and we hand them to somebody else to hold. And then our expectations, our expectations become burdens for someone else. It becomes something it becomes something super heavy and hard to carry. Our expectations become a burden for someone else. How did we get here? A box full of hopes, dreams, and desires knitted in your heart, knitted in your heart by the creator of the universe who has a special purpose for you to carry out in the world. These hopes, dreams, and desires that are in here are about who God has lovingly and amazingly created you to be. 
and all of a sudden, somebody else is carrying around your box full of expectations like it's a burden. And we're living in unfulfilled and unhappy relationships, friendships, marriages, our family, our relationship with our extended family. Suddenly, we're carrying around all of these burdens. How did we get here? How did we get here? When we hand over our hopes and dreams and desires and they become expectations, our eye boxes of hopes, dreams, and desires has collided with somebody else's. Our eyes, our hopes and dreams and desires have collided. And when they collide, these four things happen. Thank you, David, for the preview. Keep going, buddy. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> and these four things happen when our hopes, dreams, and desires become expectations for somebody else. The first thing we do is we leave. And y'all all know, I, I said that, and every single one of you are like, yep, I know somebody who this, these expectations became too much for them, and they got out of town. We never heard from them again. They left. But some of you, some of you are leaving your relationships, your friendships, your community, your church, you are, by quietly quitting. You have quietly stopped showing up with everything you have. You've stopped showing up with your full self. You stopped expecting anything from anybody else. Your marriage is more like a roommate situation than a healthy and fulfilling gift from God to the world and to you. Your friendships have become a burden full of things that you don't want to do anymore. You have left. You have quietly quit your relationships. Some of you leave. Some of us win, right? Some of us are like, here, put some more hopes and dreams and desires in that box. And, and suddenly the person's like, here, let me catch this one. Let me catch this one. We are winning. I'll just carry your whole huge, big, heavy box of expectations every single place I go. I won, right? I have won. We successfully convince other people to live life our way. Take on my hopes, dreams, and desires. They're a lot better than that compostable toilet you've been dreaming about, right? We begin to control everything. We win. And when one person wins, what happens? Somebody else is lost, right? So we have a game of winners and losers. We conform. It's too hard for us to continue to keep our hopes and dreams and desires in this box. So we throw them away and we're like, honey, here, let me put these in yours. Oh, mom, friends, y'all are looking good in that outfit. Let me just put that right here in my box. You work out eight times a day for 900 minutes. Let me put that in my box. We conform to be like the people around us. And suddenly people look at you and you're like, who, who are you? What happened to those hopes and dreams and desires that God created in your heart. Who are you? are a shell of the human that I knew. Who are you? We conform. And then, y'all, I thought compromising was the goal of relationships. I thought that I, when I was like studying this, I was like, compromise? Like, compromise isn't, it's not biblical. Because what do you do? You give a little and you take a little, right? And we serve a God who for thousands of pages gave everything he had and expected nothing in return from us or for the from the people. We compromise. And when we compromise, somebody decades ago decided that that was, that was the goal of relationships is for you to compromise. You give a little and you take a little. You give a little and you take a little, right? It's not biblical because compromise involves keeping score. Because whether you know it or not, you're like, I gave up breakfast with the kids. I gave up my run this morning. You fixed breakfast. Let me put a point in my column now. You owe me, 
right? You owe me. What is it for your friendships? Like, I, I took your kid to school three days this week. I picked him up from practice two days this week. I've got some check marks over here, and you've got none. Compromise is about keeping score. And in a relationship where you are keeping score, in a friendship, in an extended family where you're keeping score, in a marriage where you're keeping score, trust is low because you're always looking over your shoulder wondering who's taking advantage of you. And when trust is low, intimacy is low. You can't be real with anybody. You're like, I, I've got plenty of people to go and grab a drink with on a Thursday night, but I have nobody who I can look at and say my marriage has completely fallen apart. I have plenty of people that I can go to a football game and tailgate with, but I have nobody to look at and say I have no idea how to control my alcohol consumption anymore. I have, I have a room full of people that I spend time with every Sunday morning, but my hopes and dreams and desires for a better community, I don't see it happening. And I don't know my purpose in the world anymore. When we keep score, when our trust is low, our intimacy is low, and our hopes and dreams and desires is just a bucket full of expectations and burdens for the world. How did we get here? Anybody here? Does this sound familiar to anybody? I need y'all to know. I told Chris this morning, I was like, if nobody shows up this morning, it's fine. This message is for me this morning. This message is for me this morning because expectations and burdens, expectations and burdens, they create transactional relationships that keep in score. I loaned you $100, you owe me $100 plus interest back, right? It creates these transactional relationships. You give and you get. And I, I don't know anything to do but to tell y'all the truth. I am broken. I'm not perfect. There's a lot of pastors in South Tampa who might not tell you the truth this morning, but I am broken. And I fall at the feet of Jesus all the time asking for mercy, mercy and grace and goodness. I am not perfect. And, and I need y'all to know that, that this transactional relationship piece is something I'm working on. I'm being really honest. Yeah, expectations create transactional relationships. Thank you for that, David. But I need y'all to know that sometimes when, when I show up for you and your family at midnight when something terrible has happened, sometimes I, I, I'm being honest. I look up on Sunday morning and I expect to see you here worshiping with us. Because in these hopes and dreams and desires, originally five years ago, I wanted a, relate, I wanted a community full of life-giving and meaningful relationships. I wanted us dreaming and desiring that the, the poorest and the hardest hit people in our community would have food in their bellies. That the, the kids at elementary schools who don't have support and adults and healthy relationships in their lives, that, that, that they would have it because a church believes in a God who's redeeming and restoring the world through relationships. That's, that's how I started. And over time, attendance and money and a bowling alley and all kinds of other stuff became more important than the hopes and dreams and desires. In my own life, expectations became burdens. And I started showing up and I expected stuff from y'all, right? And I began to live like this. And I, I, I just, I, I told God in January, I was like, I need to be set free from that. I can't do it like that anymore. I refuse to be transactional any, anymore. And this, this is what... This is what I felt like I've learned in the, last, in the last month, and I'm still learning, so I'm not perfect. Thank y'all for journeying with me. Thank you for believing in and letting a, a broken pastor lead you. Thank you for believing in God's grace and mercy and power enough to let it transform me and transform you all. I need you to know that this is what I learned. God was really clear. This has helped you survive. 
many of you have been able to survive with transactional relationships. You give a little, you get a little. You've believed that compromise is the goal of a relationship. This is what you have done. You have survived. Survival, God was really clear. Surviving every day, letting my feet hit the, hit the floor and just thinking about what it is I can get all get done. Like I don't even have time, energy, or the capacity to fix any more relationships, God, right? Anybody thought that before? I want my car to work. I want my relationships to work. I don't have the time, the capacity, or the energy to work on them anymore, God. And, and I just need you to know survival is not God's desire for you. Simply surviving is not God's desire for you. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus stands in front of a bunch of people and he says, I'm a shepherd and I'll protect you from the things that will steal and kill and destroy you. And merely trying to survive will just keep you running from those things. He said, I have come that you may know life and know it to the full. I've come, Jesus says, that you may know life and know it to the full. Surviving This church surviving is no longer my expectation. This church thriving and making a difference in a community desperate for light and change. That's my hope and dream and desire. And I'll hand this bucket to y'all any day. So what do we do? What do we do with with our hopes, dreams, and desires? How do we keep them from becoming expectations? Sorry, I I don't usually preach with notes, but I needed them uh, this morning because there's just a lot of of stuff. So so God's desire is for us to have, have... have lives where we can still bring our hopes and dreams and desires, that we can take our whole selves before God's full of our hopes and dreams and desires. We can take that whole box and and put it in front of God. And as I did this, as I took my box and I put it at the feet of Jesus, when I laid it down in front of God, I watched him begin to mold some of the expectations and burdens in my life. I watched him begin to mold them into dreams that aligned with his heart more. I'm being serious because before the feet of Jesus, my hope that people who need mercy and hope and grace and love became true. I watched people like out of nowhere contact our church and say, I want to be baptized and I want to live into the purpose God has for me. There's no reason they should have been connected to our church. But when our purpose became mercy and hope and grace of Jesus, that's what kinds of things we started running into. My dream became that God would create a church that fought the epidemic of loneliness that exists in our city. We are one of the loneliest cities in the Southeast. That our church could fight it with real and authentic friendships and relationships. And this week, four small groups groups are busting at the seams and they're starting this week. But there's room for you, okay? There's room for you. But when when my desire didn't become about filling this room up, but filling your lives up with relationships that matter and change your hearts and your lives and your and your and your your entire change the world, like God began to change my my hopes and my dreams and desires. My desire to worship God and not the idea of American worship. Like what sometimes in America we worship the idea of worship. Like it's got to be a certain way, right? And when I let that go, we began to fall at the feet of Jesus and really begin to worship and experience change in this world. So what do we do when we have these hopes, dreams, and desires? How do we hold on to them tightly? Like, I I need y'all to know, the hopes, dreams, and desires God's given you is your purpose. God's dream for the world 
comes true when you hold on to these, not when you pass them off and expect somebody else to take care of them for you. God's dream for the world is that the hopes, dreams, and desires he's knit in your heart will come alive in you and through you. How do you hold firmly to this while managing everybody else's hopes, dreams, and desires too? And I need y'all, if you've got your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. My, I took my notes out of my Bible, so it might take me a second to get there. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 4. Paul is a pastor who has started all these new churches in a, in a place called Ephesus, and the church is falling apart. It's falling apart. They've lost sight of their hopes and dreams and desires of what they were going to be as a church, who they were going to be as people. Their families don't look right. Their, their, people are like literally having affairs and doing things they shouldn't be doing. Like it is a mess. The church in Ephesus is an absolute mess. Paul is in prison. They've, the, the government has decided we don't need this guy starting new churches. Maybe they'll fall apart and not make any impact or difference in the world if we'll put him in prison. So they throw him in prison. And this is what he writes in Ephesians chapter 4. He writes a letter to these people to help them become better. Because he's like, I don't know how we got here. I don't know why y'all are carrying around all these heavy boxes of terrible, unfulfilling relationships. And you're just figuring out how to survive. That's not what we started this church for. It was for people to thrive right? It was for light and change. And this is what he says in Ephesians chapter four. He says, as a prisoner, so he's in prison for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. This is what Paul says. You want to be a healthy church again? I need you to get real about your hopes and dreams and desires. I need you to hold on to them and I need you to figure out what to do with them. Live a life worthy of the calling God has placed on you. I need you to live a life worth. You don't get to ignore your hopes, dreams, and desires. Are you listening to me? You don't get to pretend like they don't exist in your friendships and relationships and marriages in, with your extended families. You don't get to just discard them and pretend like they don't exist. You don't hide them and just pull them out sometimes when you want to feel good. You don't get to ignore them. You don't get to deny them. You don't get to pretend like they don't exist. You don't get to wish them away or hope they transform into something besides burdensome expectations. Paul says, hold on to them. Your hopes and dreams and desires knit together special in your life is a way that we connect with the purpose of God. So this, let's keep going. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 to 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. Don't go dumping people's boxes out and being mean to them. Don't go home and tell your husband, did you hear what Pastor Erica said today? You're, these are expectations I will no longer hold on to. Dump out in the yard, figure out what to do with them. No, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through us all and in all. I, this makes zero sense in our world, but happy people know that their relationships are healthy and happy. And they don't go around expecting you 
to meet every one of their hopes, dreams, and desires. They don't think you owe them that. They don't think that they are owed anything in return of you caring about their hopes and dreams and desires. They look over and they say, this is what happy people do. They look over and they say, hey, what's in your, what's in your box? I see that hope that one day you'll be a lawyer and, and your schedule is, is crammed absolutely full. Is there one thing I can do? To, to take something out of your life so that you can focus a little more on that hopes, dreams, and desires. And you do it because you love them, because you're humble and you're patient and their hopes and dreams and desires mean something to you, not because you hope they'll take something out of your box and care about it too. You hold on firmly to your box. You let people look at your hopes, dreams, and desires if they want, but you don't expect them. You don't expect them to meet them anymore. I, I need y'all to know that I don't actually do this job because of what I get from y'all anymore. Happy people, we take our cues from Jesus. He didn't know us anything, and yet he gave us everything, and he expects nothing in return. That's wild. It makes zero sense to those of us in this room. If I'm honest, I don't believe Jesus happily skipped to the cross the Bible tells us something different. I mean, he was sweating and grieving in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night before he gave himself up for us. But it was because you were worth it. It's because he loved you. It's because he knew for you to have a box full of hopes, dreams, and desires, he would do anything to make that happen. Not so you would have a relationship with him, but because he thought you were worth it. Some of you are going to stop listening, but if you want your relationships to be happy, you got to get your relationship with God right. You have got to let yourself be loved by the God who expects nothing from you, who loves you in that seat just the way you are. And when you can accept and begin to absolutely be soaked in that kind of love, you begin to offer that kind of love, grace, mercy, and goodness in your relationships. We take our cues from Jesus. Happy people take our cues from Jesus. I moved here six years ago. I was in Starbucks coffee shop having some coffee one day when a young mom with a toddler and a little bitty baby boy comes into the, into the Starbucks and um, I started a conversation with her and she tells me her name is Sasha Ledney and she has two kids. We start talking about you know the fact that I just moved here. I'm like six months pregnant at the time. I have a little teeny tiny baby at home and we start talking sort of about me starting this new church and what it was going to look like. And um, it, we, we were talking and stuff for a little bit, and she's like, hey, can I have your phone number? And she took my phone number, and, and a couple days later, Sasha texted me, and she said, I'm, I'm a church planner. I've moved here to Tampa. I know my in-laws, and that's it, and Chris, and that's it. I have a new baby. I have a baby on the way. I have no friends. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I'm actually kind of lonely, if I'm being really honest with y'all, and I'm sitting in Starbucks trying to make friends and tell people I'm starting a church. Like, that's not a good way to, to make friends. If anybody's wondering, like, don't sit there with your laptop and be like, I'm starting a church. Want to come? Where does it meet? We don't meet you. <laughs> uh, oh, sure. We'll sign it. They don't sign up for that. But, but Sasha wasn't, she wasn't freaked out by any of that. She just saw me sitting there pregnant and in need of a friend. And she gets my phone number 
And three days later, I had a huge garbage bag full of maternity clothes on my front porch. And that might not sound like much, but I didn't even know how to buy maternity clothes. I didn't know that's what you, you know, we adopted our son. So this was the first time I had been pregnant. And I have a, a bag full of maternity clothes. And I'll never forget that I opened the door after she texted and I pulled it inside and I started going through the clothes. And six months pregnant, I don't know if it was the hormones or what was going on, but I just remember crying because somebody gave me what she had and expected nothing in return. Our first service, when we did meet, you know who was there? Sasha and Justin and their family. Because our church is gonna be built off of, do y'all hear me? We don't need some huge program. We don't need some big, huge, organized, million-dollar program where we're meeting all these needs. We simply need to be good friends and have good relationships because that's what the world needs more of. She saw a need, and she, she packed up her old maternity clothes, and she gave them to me. I, I, they were the prettiest things I've ever had, right? And I remember sitting there crying because somebody saw me and my need, expected nothing from me, expected absolutely nothing from me, but wanted me to experience the fullness and the goodness of a pregnancy that I was so blessed to get to have. This is the kind of relationships God wants for you, where you get to hold tightly to your hopes and dreams and desires. You're not passing them off as expect, burdensome expectations to other people, but that you hold them firmly, you take care of them, and that some other people just look in there and say, how can I help you with that hope or dream or desire? People like you, people like you who take your cue from Jesus, who loves you and saw you worthy enough to give everything he had for you. People like you, who can't keep that secret anymore, who have to use your hands and your feet and your mouth and your ears and your eyes to let that love and goodness be known. What do happy people know? What's your relationship goal? To take your cues from Jesus. Quit keeping score. Hold on to the hopes, dreams, and desires he's given you and care about other people's hopes, dreams, and desires too. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you so much that you see us. You see us in our hopes and our dreams and our desires and you love us. We thank you that you surround people around us who, who also see our hopes and dreams and desires and who want to see them come alive. We're sorry for the burdensome expectations we've passed on to other people. Teach us how to hold our, our hopes and our dreams and our desires, how to live into our purpose in a community bound together with, with good and healthy relationship goals. And more than anything, God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Jesus who taught us how to love by loving us so deeply and so fully first. Help us. Help us people who've been living in a culture that teaches us we have to earn love, God, that we don't have to do anything. We can simply receive it. And God, let us freely give that kind of love to the people around us. Amen.